Welcome to the Pope on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood. That's the name I used to go by. I go by Maylin nowadays. I'm a trans woman. Deal with it. This is episode 439, and welcome to the House of Skin. Yes. Uh, I'm just going to come out and say it. Our movie this week is uh, the David Cronenberg 1970 film Crimes of the Future. And Bunny, why do you hate me? Why do you hate me? COVID exploitation leaps to mind. <laughs> that's that's a good point. That's a good point. Okay. Uh, I hate you, but let's not go pretending there aren't reasons. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I have had a crazy weekend. We're going to get to that. I've got a short <laughs> shaft so we can uh, run down the clock a little bit. I'm really excited. I've got a great monologue. I've got a really good chap. I got a bunch of things to run out the 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 meter, and I've got a really funny beginning where we're going to be talking about David Cronenberg because I'm not sure if a lot of people know about David Cronenberg, but he's lived uh, he's lived a pretty crazy life. He's lived a pretty crazy life. Uh, director, editor, producer, um, songwriter. You know he wrote Thank occasional God I'm a country occasional boy. actor. Occasional actor, yeah. He wrote Thank God I'm a Country Boy for, um, what's his name? Um, John Denver, yeah. John yeah. Denver, yeah. Um, you know, Gilmore Girls, it was actually based on his life. It was. I kind of yeah. thought so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, David Cronenberg, totally Team Jess. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, let's, let's, let's do this opening. Yes. I want to talk about cartoons for a bit, okay? I really think you're going to like this. Okay? There is a type of cartoon that you don't really see on TV anymore. Uh, it, and, and once I'm done talking about these cartoons, I'm going to put you on the spot, Bunny. We're going to do a fun game, okay? Okay. Okay. So there's a type of cartoon... That used to be on TV all the time. You don't really see it anymore. But this is what they do used to do on the regular sat on Saturday morning cartoons. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six examples of what they used to do on Saturday morning cartoons. Number one, Gilligan's Island. Did you know that the original TV show Gilligan's Island lasted a mere three seasons? And made less than a hundred episodes from 1964 to 1967. That is shocking to me because I, it yes, was it on is. TV constantly, constantly when yes. I was growing up. It is <laughs> shocking that it had so little. It had so little time, but had such a big cultural impact. Apparently, it, it became such a staple of reruns in the it, that they made three TV film sequels between the 1970s and the 1980s. It was such a seminal sitcom in American history that a whopping 
two Saturday morning cartoons were based on this live action television show. Yes. In 1974, they aired The New Adventures of Gilligan, which was basically just a cartoon version of the original TV show. Yes. It was just a cartoon version of the TV show, Gilligan's Island. The same basic premise, most of the same voice people. Um, then, almost a decade later in 1982, round about my neck of the woods, they aired Gilligan's Planet, which was a follow-up to the new adventures of Gilligan. The plot of Gilligan's planet was the professor finally figures out a way to get off of Gilligan's Island. He builds a rocket ship to escape the planet, but it's too strong, and it sends the crew of the SS Minnow into space, where they get stranded on an island-like planet. And because there always has to be an animal, Gilligan gets an alien lizard pet named Bumper. It's not the most original cartoon. It's like the cartoon equivalent of the Brady Bunch adding Cousin Oliver. Yes. The Brady Bunch in space is basically what it was. They got a well-known popular TV show. They turned it into two cheaply done, uh, unoriginal cartoons. Here's my second... Uh example the brady bunch yes they got a wildly unoriginal saturday morning cartoon as well this aired during the fourth season of the live action brady bunch show and it had the brady kids going on wacky adventures with a gaggle of animals including a talking magical bird and two pandas for some reason because so many times there has to be an animal there has to be an animal in me well with that one because because that one in particular i used to watch as a kid and what i always wanted to know is what the fuck happened in that family where all the kids now have to live in a tree house in the yard yeah to be fair there have been numerous times where i wanted to make the kids live in the backyard yeah so I understand that. I don't have six kids, but I do have five. And hey, making them live in a treehouse in the in the yard. That's a dream. Yes. <laughs> and right. Hmm. See, I don't know, because like I, I, I'm a New Yorker and now like I'm a Coloradan. So <laughs> I can't really you were a Californian. Are there many Ray. pandas just wandering around? <laughs> all the, all over the place. The pandas everywhere, and they are blaring Tupac. Always. Big old boombox yeah. on their shoulder. No, 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 Yep. They're smoking bamboo. Yeah. So, yeah, the Brady Bunch also got a cartoon, an unoriginal cheap attempt to cash in on a sitcom. Example number three. Happy days. Happy days. Now, I thought, I, I've mentioned the Happy Days cartoon on the podcast before, and I got it wrong. I thought, I remember the Happy Days cartoon because the introduction was narrated by Wolfman Jack, and I would watch the introduction over and over again. I never watched the cartoon, but I watched the introduction to the cartoon. I thought that this was yet another 
sitcom cast but in space premise, but no. The show was called The Fonz and the Happy Days Gang, and it aired in 1980, and according to Wikipedia, quote, it has been described as a knockoff of Doctor Who. Really? Okay. Like someone said, Happy Days is popular. What if we made the Fonzie Doctor Who? And that is this cartoon. What the hell? So the plot was the Fonz, Opie Cunningham, and Donnie Most. Donnie Most. They're hanging out with Mr. Cool, the talking dog, because there always has to be an animal. Yes. Um, when they're visited by a teenage time traveler from the future who has a time machine flying saucer that is broken in like the 1950s. And so uh, the Fonzie <sighs> fixes it, you know, with his magical fist because he just yeah. hits things and it fixes. But then an accident happens and now they're pinballing through time. It's Henry Winkler's Doctor Who and it's freaking weird. Have you have you watched some episodes? There's a few on YouTube. Yeah, that's kind it, of what I was thinking. It's it's <laughs> yet another cheap cartoon attempt to cash in on a popular television show. Oh, this one's the worst. Okay, this but that is... was uh, that was also like just cartoons. Yeah, it's how they were. That's why you had a Jackson Five cartoon. And an Osmond's okay. Brothers cartoon. And a Beatles cartoon. Those Beatles ones. I, me and uh, M and Mal used to watch them all the time when they were kids. And I loved them because it was a great song in the middle of the worst animation. Yes. And the worst plot. Oh, it was the worst. I loved it. Okay. And all of those were all Oh, you, those cartoons are all over YouTube, too. A lot of these cartoons are so unremembered that you can just go and watch Gilligan's Planet on YouTube if you wanted to. Yes. It's fascinating. Oddly, so, never a Dusty's Trail cartoon. Go figure. Dusty's Trail? Dusty's Trail? You don't remember What's Dusty's that? Trail? No. Oh, Dusty's Trail was, uh, was, I, I forget when the time period, it must have been the 70s somewhere, and it was basically a, a direct ripoff of Gilligan's Island uh, okay. with Bob Denver. Yeah, they, with they, Bob Denver. Yeah, they, it, was, it was a stagecoach going to California, hmm. and they would, they would, run into problems so you had you had the stage driver who was played by forrest tucker forrest tucker and his his sidekick bob denver and then you had a smart guy you had a saloon girl a saloon singer whatever the fuck she was yeah. Another girl, I forget what she was. She was probably just all American. And a a, a a wealthy couple. 
Nice. Yeah. Basically Gilligan's Island right there. And this was Dusty's trail. It was exactly <laughs> Gilligan's Island. Yeah. And you man. can find it on YouTube. Bob Denver, man. Uh, he was great as a beatnik. Yes. He, Gilligan's Island became so so much a staple of television that people forget he did other parts. He was a great freaking beatnik. Yes. In uh, uh, Dobie Gillis. Uh-huh. They keep wanting to call it Darby O'Gill, but that was that movie where Sean Connery sings. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this next example is the worst. Laverne and Shirley. Yes. Got a cheap in the army spinoff too. Yes, in 1981, ABC aired the cartoon <laughs> Laverne and Shirley in the army, where they were privates, and for some reason, which should not be surprising to you, because we've been over this. Their commanding officer was a talking pig named Sergeant Squealy because there always has to be an animal. Yes. Uh, like, what the fuck, Laverne and Shirley? What the fuck? And <coughs> you give a spinoff <coughs> to Laverne and Shirley <coughs> and not to Lenny and Squiggy? <coughs> that is a crime! How dare you? <laughs> Lenny and Squiggy, the cartoon that basically writes itself. Yes. Yes, it does. I mean, come on. Hello, Cheryl. I mean, that... It, I, I have the entire first season of that cartoon in my head. Easy. Okay, so a short aside here. I was actually legitimately thinking about the Lenny and Squiggy movie. <laughs> and and that got me thinking about like okay so it's like the 60s but they're dressed you know with their hair all slicked back singing doo-wop and that got me thinking about Shanana and then uh I came up with an entire film okay, okay. Here's the movie pitch it's a fish out of water film about two bros from Jersey with leather jackets and chains on it, and they've got one of those switchblade combs, and they got their hair all slicked back with pomade. <laughs> and they head to Woodstock in 1969 for one reason and one reason only, to see their favorite band, Shanana. <laughs> they're huge Shanana fans, so they're two, like, freaking greasers from Jersey at Woodstock with a bunch of hippies. Yes. And there's all that there's is, like a, that's a great I can see the whole movie. That is good. That hey is good. fuck this hippie shit. Bring out Bowser. You know, and then and then they're walking around like man, fuck these hippies. Hey <coughs> watch it, I'm walking here. Why don't you go smoke some reefer? And, but then they see that like some people are naked and having sex and stuff, so they decide that they're going to pretend to be hippies. Yeah. And they're like, 
Hey, baby, what's up? I like free love and weed. Let's go do it. Hey! You know? And then eventually, you know, they 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 start <clears throat> doing weed and they realize that, that um, Shauna Na sucks. And by the end, they're just one of the hippies. It, it, I can see the entire film. Yeah, I, 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 I see where you're going, and I like it, and I appreciate it, and, and I, I think you should go out there and make this movie. Uh, I, I am uh, picturing more of, of Lenny and Squiggy crossed with, like, train spotting, where they're just shooting up heroin and experimenting with their latent homosexuality. Nice. He, uh, and he, listening to Shanana. And you know. listening to Shanana. Yeah. This is going to be a Shanana heavy movie. The Three Stooges. Although not technically a sitcom, their 1940s and 1950s shorts began airing in syndication on TV at the tail end of the 1950s. So, headed into the 70s, they were the most popular American comedy troupe. So, of course, they also got a cheesy, cheap cartoon spinoff. In 1977, CBS aired The Robonic Stooges, where Larry Curley yes. and Moe were superheroic robots. Real shit. Yes. And again, if you're interested in watching that... Go on YouTube. It's horrible. Um, and then here is my final example. The Partridge Family. The Partridge Family. Of course, I remember they got their its own. existence. I don't remember it. Okay, I'll jolt your memory. Of course, the Partridge Family got their own cheap cartoon spinoff as well. This one was baffling because it was called The Partridge Family. 2200 A.D. And without any explanation whatsoever, the Partridge family is living in the future for reasons, I guess. Yes. Just imagine the Jetsons, but now they're an annoying-ass family of wasps who sing pop songs. Yes. That was legitimately 100% what the entire show was. Funny, what I am getting at is this. It doesn't seem hard to make a cheap animated cartoon spin-off. No, it doesn't. Based on a based on a live action TV show. A bunch of people have done it. A bunch of crappy shows are out there. They also gave one to the uh uh they also turned the Harlem Globetrotters into like the Fantastic Four. Yes. That was another one. Where they all had like superpowers, <laughs> but they didn't really have a sitcom. But it's time to play a game, Bunny. I'm going to mention some TV shows. And you spit out plots. And you don't have to take too much time to think about them because the creators of these shows that I just talked about sure as shit didn't spend time thinking about them. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to spit out some shows. And you're going to come up with some great, great, they don't have to be that great. They are, they honestly don't have to be that great. But you're going to come up with some ideas, and then we're going to put them on TV. We're going to make a ton of money, okay? Okay. Okay. Are you ready, Bunford and Sons? Yes. Okay. Lost! Lost. Wow. Okay, Lost. 
lost. Uh, well, first, they befriend what turns out to be the rather adorable smoke creature. Uh, yes. And that that smoke creature helps them to solve crimes. Of course. Usually involving style. a ghost of some sort. Gotta be Scooby Doo style. Yes. And like 60s hippie music. Okay, I got another one. Okay. My Three Sons. My Three Sons. Uh, my Three Sons uh, would. First off, in going to any cartoon, you have to. Ditch the adults. So this is yeah. just literally the three sons. And they have an alien friend, uh, and they ride around in his spaceship. Uh honestly, not doing much at all. They get into trouble, but like they get in like you really don't know what's even going on. Like, what did Ernie do this time? Yeah. You know, uh, and after the end of the half hour, they get out of the trouble. Okay. Here's my pitch. Okay. My three androids. Hmm. Uh huh. He builds three robotic sons, and each one has a different power. It. I thought of it from the Robonic Stooges. Because he has eaten the original sons. He's eaten them? Yes. Oh, wow. That took a dark turn. And to cover up, he made android sons. Yeah. Nice. Okay. X-Files. X-Files. In my mind, there's there's just like one answer to this, but okay. what do you got? I, well... It's already goddamn Scooby Doo. I mean, yeah, you gotta Scooby Doo that crap. Yeah, you gotta I mean, Scooby Doo that shit. Period. So, like, all they need is the animal. Yeah. Uh, and for for the X Files, I think I'm gonna go a Hanna Barbera style hound dog with a Sherlock Holmes cap. And a big magnifying glass and a pipe. That that's that's good. Yeah, that's good. I was kind of thinking more of an aardvark kind of a thing. Okay, you know. Uh, and they chase ghosts and aliens. I mean, it's the fucking X Files. Yeah. Okay. Now this next one, I've got a really good pitch for, but I want to hear what you have to say. Night Court. Night Court. Night Court would basically just be Night Court, but it would be Night Court in space. That's so exactly it would be, what I have here. It would here. be the intergalactic court, yes. Night Court. So it would it, it would really almost be the same thing, except like they would be bringing in different aliens who have done different things, and they would have to do the little trial kind of thingy. That's exactly what, that was exactly my pitch. 
Yeah. Yeah, and it it'd be alien people coming in for space court. Yeah. But a bunch of humans. He you know, stole my Glognor. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure John Larrick kept free. Yes. I don't think Marky Post has a lot on her schedule. Didn't she actually die recently? I don't know. I know that uh, Judge Harold T. Stone is dead. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's dead. Is Bull still... Is Bull dead or is Bull alive? I don't know. I also don't want to look it up. Uh, <laughs> uh, welcome back, Cotter. I'm shocked that this didn't get a cartoon. Because the Sweat Hogs sure were big. It didn't. It did not. And I am shocked by that. The Sweat Hogs were big. John Travolta became huge. I'm gonna let her in. Whoa. Gonna let her in my life. Let her in my life. I used to unironically like the John Travolta song Let Her In from when he was a teen heartthrob. Yeah. He 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 did it once on American Bandstand, and it's it's pretty great. So they were so okay. So they are on, and I think we have to keep Gabe Kaplan. I mean, he's not exactly a parent, yeah. so we have to kind of keep him in here. But they are on a field trip going into the city on the F train, and Horshack does something. And shoots the F train into space. Yes. And of course, for their animal, they have, which would be an alien, the first alien they, they run into, would be an alien pig. Oh, welcome to <clears throat> Orbit Cotter. Welcome to Orbit Cotter. Right there. Boom. <clears throat> You gotta have a name that just explains all of it. Laverne yes. and Shirley in the Army, Gilligan's Planet, the Robonic Stooges. Welcome to Orbit, Cotter. Boom. I I think I need I need to rethink this now. Go on, hit me okay. with this new knowledge. Hit me. <laughs> Breaking Bad. And you give me Breaking Bad. Ten minute warning. Uh, well, breaking orbit bad. I, I, here's my pitch. Yeah. They all met as babies. Yeah. Yeah, you have baby. Um. Oh, I like this. Baby yeah. Bob Odenkirk. Baby dad from Malcolm in the Middle. Baby Jesse. Yeah. Baby, whoever that guy is who ran the chicken place. And it's, it, it, you know. And it's, and it's all episodes like involving trying to run, trying to be babies and run a meth lab at the same time. You know, like, thinking... like they would be stacking up a whole lot of stuff to try to get the Sudafed out of the medicine cabinet. Before mom gets home, yeah. you know? I was thinking. I was thinking they're making some sort of an addictive baby formula. Yeah, and, and so and, and make it kind of Hogan's Heroes because they're all at like a daycare, but the daycare is really strict. 
So yeah. they've got to do it secretly, you know? And uh, Bob Odenkirk, he's he's the, like, slick lawyer baby that gets everyone out of trouble. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. And then we can spin that off. When that cartoon is done, then a baby uh, Odenkirk can get his spinoff, Better Call Baby. Better Call Baby. Huh? Yeah. I think it's I think it's a decent idea. And buddy, did you hear the big news that community is finally getting a movie? I have heard that. Yes. Finally, six seasons and a movie is coming into fruition. And let me tell you, uh Mal still has yet to process it. You know, because we have waited so long, yeah. us diehard community fans, that it's hard to believe that it actually is happening. But now, community, you, you definitely have to stuff all of those in a in a van. Okay. With a talking dog, they were born for that. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty good. They actually did a cartoon episode. Now that I'm now that I'm thinking about community, there was a cartoon episode where they were in GI Joe. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. It was such a good episode. Uh, can you think of any other shows that could benefit from a uh, cheap cartoon spinoff, Bunny? I was going to say Quantum Leap, but they just rebooted that. Yeah, and they're not doing it right for me, so I can't watch it. My plot was so much better. I'm just waiting for, like, that time in Season 3 where they finally bring Scott Bakula back for some cameo. Yeah. Because the ratings are going in the shitter, that is eventually going to happen. I, I pictured a girl who, like, really likes things like in search of and sightings and things like this. You know, back in the day when conspiracy theory was fun, whatever that show was with Riker. Yes, yes, fact or fiction. Yeah, yeah. So she would be really into this and she would be into Bigfoot and aliens and things like that. And through that, she heard of the Quantum Leap Project because the Quantum Leap Project is a failed fucking project that nobody wants to talk about. Yeah. You know, it lost them a brilliant scientist, even if he was a fucking wackadoo. Yeah. You know? So she's into that and, you know, and Jack the Ripper and all those kinds, you know. Yeah. And one by one, as she's growing up, they all wind up falling by the wayside because she finds out this one isn't true about this. This one isn't true because of this. Except for the Quantum Leap Project. She actually starts finding out more about the Quantum Leap Project and then goes on to become a physicist because of it. And turns out that that Dr. Samuel Beckett is real and was a genius. And so she then duplicates the Quantum Leap Project with the goal of finding Samuel Beckett and bringing him back. That's a that's much better. I don't like the fact that they're doing this, but they're, you know, it. I I want Scott Bakula back. Yeah. Now I the, want Scott Bakula. 
The other difference is that this it, this show is more in like a command center because yeah. she she is not stuck. She can leap wherever she wants. Yes, she's leaping to find someone, but only in his timeline. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that. But the but like the timeline but like that's it the timelines whenever she gets there he's not there yeah like they just keep you know like she's not getting the timelines to sync yeah I think if I'm not mistaken I think the I think the 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 woman in the new reboot is like the daughter of Al from the original I think. Yeah, but I need more of a of a of a connection to the original before yeah. I fall in love with this show. And right now, that's not there. And, but you know, at the same time, it was one of those shows that it was a really great show at the time. But television really kind of sucked then. Yeah, I'm happy that they finally have a budget. Yeah, television then didn't have the budgets. That they do now or anything yeah, like that. Have... I mean, so it was a Special good show, but it was better. kind of crap too. Yeah. Special effects are better for TV right now. And it's like, that's where, that's where I'm happy for this new Quantum Leap reboot. But, uh, hey, if, if the Quantum Leap reboot goes bad, hit me up, NBC. Because I've got an idea. The Quantum Kids. The Quantum Kids. They keep traveling to different people in history and learn important things. What? We're here at the signing of the Declaration of Independence. What's that? Let me tell you. Yeah. Well, I would follow that up with the Anarchy Kids. Nice. Who would... And what they would do is... They would leap into the bodies of various famous people before they got fair before they got famous. Yeah. And try to crush their success. Nice. I'm Elon Musk. Hey, I'm a piece of shit. Fuck you. Yeah. Nice. I like that. That's good. Uh so yeah, so that's been our monologue really good i they don't make these anymore these uh cheap cartoon knockoff shows anymore but you can still do it there are shows out there like i don't give a shit about friends but if the friends were all dogs and they lived in in like a pound i'd watch that yeah no problem there are shows I wouldn't watch that I would watch if they were rebooted as cartoons for kids. <laughs> so, <coughs> just bringing that out there. So that is it for our monologue. We are going to be taking a short break. And when we come back, we're going to be doing Steve's Historic Approximations, uh, a bit that I refuse to change the name of because Shap just sounds really good. We're going to be talking about an old episode of the podcast, and we're going to be talking about a musical instrument that no one should ever play. Okay. Because it goes against the 
Bible. Okay. It goes against traditional family values. I'm really excited for this. It's a really good one about music, musical instruments, and inventors. And I think you'll really like it. And it's not that long. So afterwards, we'll be running out the meter. I think it should be running out the clock because then we can call it ROTC, which was the fake army people in high school. Yeah. They were the ROTC people. Anyway, we will be right back in just a short moment with more exciting fun. I think Social Security should be uh, privatized. You can't go to a supermarket without being accosted by a homeless guy. Democrats and liberals attack viciously. I will take over start time. Not if I have anything to say about it, Skeletor. We will fight to the death. Or, gentlemen, may I suggest a second option? What if we all enjoy the great taste of sugar crisp? Can't get enough of that sugar crisp, sugar crisp, sugar crisp. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Party!
Yes! If you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who isn't? Everyone's talking about it. Everyone who is you and I. But only the real fans, the true hardcore fans who have been with us since the beginning, only they would know the two big facts about the both of us, the two big, undeniable, really real, and in no way made up on the spot facts about you and I, America's yes. hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Mei Lin. Uh, first and foremost, the first fact, which is about you, Bunny, is the fact that when you are not doing the podcast, you are, in fact, a celebrated marine biologist. So tell me, Bunny, what exactly does your job entail? How do you become a marine biologist in Colorado? Uh... First, you start out by hanging around the recruitment centers. Yeah. Uh, and then you have to figure out, you know, which one, you, which one, which branch of service somebody may have enlisted, enlisted in. So, but generally, as they're walking out, they're kind of glad to tell you. So you just say, hey, did you enlist? And you're like, yeah, what do you list in? The Army. Eh, fuck it. All right. Somebody else? Hey, what are you enlisting? The Marines? Okay. I need to check your biology. Nice. Nice. Okay. Okay. I can get behind that. I can I can actually get behind that. You can't just gallivant off into the checking my biology part there. Uh coffee may be involved first. Yeah. Okay, uh, after the coffee phase, there might be a kind of a dinner and a movie situation. But really, you don't want to make these too good. Yeah. Because there are a lot of fucking Marines, and there's a lot of biology to check. And yeah. this is science, damn it. Yeah. But sooner point. or later, you will be able to check their biology. Hey, Mal, Bunny's a marine biologist. You know what that is? It's the study of people that are in the Marines. That is what it is. It is. You study uh -huh. the biology of Marines. There's marine biologists. There's Navy biologists. Air Force biologists. And then the new one. Space biologists. Yes. That's the new one. Trump came up with that. And the second fact... <laughs> that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like doing at this part of the podcast is I like getting a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling panache. And that's what this is. You know who had a lot of panache? Kevin Nash. Yeah. You know when he had the most panache? When he was smoking hash. When Kevin Nash smoked hash, he had panache. Yes, he did. Uh, so that's what this segment is. Another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations! Dun, 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 dun. Or SHAP, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Now, personally, I like the name SHAP, and yes, I know I don't go by Steve anymore, but look, a good title is a good title, so the SHAP stays. 
Maylin's historical approximation, that's Malap. Millhap. That's too close to Millhouse. And Millhouse and is Milf. the worst. Yeah. Milfhap. That might be something. Anywho, this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be talking about the invention of a musical instrument that is a direct affront to God. I repeat, God did not want this musical instrument to be invented. Okay. Now, before we talk about the musical instrument in question, let's go back in time, Bonnie. All the way back to episode 280, which was quite a while ago, seeing as this episode is episode 439, which therefore, ipso facto, means that there has been exactly 159 episodes recorded between now and then. I mean, of course there are. Why would we lie? That would be really meta and weird. Yes. No one would get it or would care to. Anywho, episode 280, it was a good episode. We discussed how the TV show Wipeout legit killed a guy? Yes. And we talked about how it became like a like a franchise. So now there's like a British Wipeout, Wipeout India, all these different Wipeout shows all over the place. Uh, and there was also a segment that I saw on Spotify called Speed Racer is an Atheist. I don't know what that was. Okay. I- don't remember what Speed Racer is an atheist. I don't know what that is. I didn't bother listening to the bit. Sue me. <laughs> but apparently Speed Racer is an atheist, so that's good to know. We also talked about a film. The wildly delayed 2020 superhero horror movie, The New Mutants. Yes. Mal recently, my 17-year-old, binge-watched all of the X-Men movies. I don't know why. Why did you do that? You just decided to? It just became like a bee in your bonnet? You've wanted to, but you just never have, so you just decided, I'm going to do it? Well, the next time you're feeling like that, just remember, I'm always here and I'm willing to listen. Yeah, so now Mal knows what happens when a toad gets struck by lightning. Yes. The same thing as everything else. Screenwriting. Yes. I wanted to, just, you know, with fucking WandaVision and the whole Evan Peters coming back as Ralph Boner thing, I wanted to understand what the fuck was going on. I've never seen the sequels. I've never, I've never seen any of them. The sequels, the prequels, any of it. So I... Yeah. I finally decided fuck it and I just watched all of them. Yeah, Ooh. and it's 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 funny because it's like, oh, you're gonna love X-Men. Oh, you're gonna love X2. Okay, you might like one or two other X-Men movies, but the rest are pretty crap. Like, I'm sorry for X3, I'm sorry for X-Men Origins Wolverine, I'm sorry for the Wolverine. You'll probably like Logan, you'll probably like X-Men First Class. I'm sorry. Oh, and you'll love X-Men Days of Future Past. I'm sorry for X-Men Apocalypse. I'm sorry for X-Men Dark Phoenix again. And uh, I'm sorry for the New Mutants. But the New Mutants was pretty good. It it wasn't that bad. 
but God didn't want it to exist. No. Well, and that I'm glad you brought that up because I I've been thinking for for New Mutants in particular, and also to a degree Morpheus and other pandemic movies. I think we should just let them get a do over. You know. It's funny you should mention uh, pandemic movies because I recently sent a uh, tweet to Joey Lawrence's brother begging him. I, I, I tweeted to him, please, Andrew Lawrence, please tell me you are working on a money plane too. Because that was the best part of the freaking lockdown <laughs> was Darius Emanuel Grouch III, a.k.a. The Rumble. Yeah. And it's like, out of all the movies that came out during the pandemic, even the New Mutants, freaking Tenet, God, Money Plane was so much fun. I'll watch Money Plane a million times before I watch freaking Tenet again. <laughs> like, all of the movies that did come out during, like, the, the height of the coronavirus should all get a do-over, except for Money Plane. Because the Edge and Frasier is exactly what it, the Edge, Frasier, and Blossom's brother is exactly what America needed in our time of crisis. Yeah. Well, we were, but uh, in episode two eighty, we cover the New Mutants, a film whose behind-the-scenes drama was way more entertaining than the actual movie itself. We are releasing this X-Men horror movie in this April, twenty eighteen. No way. 2019, yeah, that'll. Uh, no, we're gonna release it in February 2019. No way. How about August 2019? Yeah, that's the ticket. August 2019. No way. Now Disney owns our entire company, and they don't want to release the film at all. So it's been pulled indefinitely. So I guess there'll be no new mutants movie at all. No way. Disney has decided to release the movie finally. It will be released absolutely, positively, 100%. There are some fans out there that have been waiting for this movie, and we are finally going to release it for you. Yes, it will be in theaters 100% in April 2020. I Well, unless there's some sort of act of God that stops it from being released in April of 2020, but that will never happen. Yeah. So then it, it it got pushed back to summer 2020. Then it got then it was finally released, whether they wanted to or not, in August of 2020 with a whimper. Now, am I saying that the coronavirus pandemic happened because God didn't want the movie The New Mutants to be released? No, but I'm also not not saying that either. Now that brings us what. Mal's betting two bucks on it because that's all they have. That's more money than I have. Uh, that brings us to our shop proper. <coughs> Bunny. Yes. The tuba. Tuba. Was invented in 1835 by two men, Wilhelm Frederick Weiprecht and Johann Moritz. The piano was invented in 1655 by a man named Bartolomeo Cristofori. And side note, it's shocking that no one knows his name. He invented the freaking piano. Yeah. 
Everyone has heard of piano. Everyone. And yet no one knows the name <coughs> Cristofori, Bartolomeo Cristofori. He invented the piano, for Pete's sake. Oddly, his name is my name, too. That's so weird. The accordion was invented back in 1822 by a German named Christian Frederick Ludwig Buschmann. And it's like, gee whiz, Chris, save some names for the rest of us. <laughs> what are you, my dead grandmother? Fuck. Excuse me for the language. Well, we aren't talking about any of those people. No, we will be talking about a musical instrument known as the saxophone. Okay. Most famously played by America's greatest saxophone player, Lisa Simpson. And an instrument that wasn't really well known until it gained worldwide prominence after the release of the song Yakety Sax, the theme to the Pulitzer Prize winning television series, The Benny Hill Show. Bunny. Yes. Get this, okay? Peep this. The inventor of the saxophone, his name was Adolphe Sax. Okay. And when you know that, that's when you come to realize, oh my goodness, the fact, the saxophone, what a crappy name for a musical instrument if the inventor's name was Sax. Yes. Like, that's, that's, that's a real pile of crap right there. Oh, so Adolphe Sax invented the saxophone. Did Rudolfo Tube invent the tuba? <laughs> Did Albert Cronenberg invent the accordion? Corden. No. Did Albert Cordenberg? So, accord, accord. Yeah. Did he invent the accordion? I know Frederick Kaiser von Pian didn't invent the piano. The piano was invented by Bartolomeo Cristofori, and that should be a household name. Yes. Okay, I digress. Adolphe Sax invented the saxophone, which is a typically brass-made, single-reed musical instrument, a woodwind instrument, despite the fact that it is primarily made in brass. Adolphe Sax was a didn't celebrated... We, didn't we see them being made in a Mystery Science Theater short? Didn't we see them being made with Mr. B. Natural? I remember them being made, I think, in one of the aside shorts in like a 70s or 80s Sesame Street. Possibly. Because while they were making it, like they were doing sounds of a saxophone. (laughs) but yeah i also think they were made in uh mr b natural mr b natural trans icon mr b natural okay really because there was no gender to mr b natural no because he was mr but yeah mr b natural is a trans mystery science theater short and no one can tell me otherwise (laughs) bite me 
Adolphe Sax was a celebrated instrument maker in Belgium in the 1800s. He invented the saxophone in early 1840s, and a patent was issued on June 28, 1846. So June 28th is the saxophone's birthday, and you didn't get it anything. <laughs> For shame. If anything, you should give gifts to saxophonists on June 28th. I'm gonna kill a, I'm gonna kill a, a a goat in the name of Lisa Simpson on June 28th. Um, no, not Lisa Simpson, the jazz player who died. Oh man, what was his name? What was his name? Bleeding Gums Murphy. Oh, I'm so proud of that. <laughs> Adolphe Sax invented the saxophone. He also invented the saxo tromba, the sax horn. And the sax tuba, those did not take high school bands by storm, however. No. And that's the story of the saxophone. Uh, except for one small fact, which is the saxophone is an affront to God! <clears throat> okay. The saxophone is evil, the saxophone is immoral, and it spits in the face of God herself! Yes, my friends, I go to church now. I go to church every Sunday. I pray, and I know two things that God hates. The film The New Mutants and the freaking saxophone. <laughs> so let me tell you why. Uh, let me get my phone. Because instead of uh, rewording it via my own unique storytelling panache, I'm just going to read it because no one could word it as good and as perfectly as Wikipedia does it under Adolphe Sachs. Okay? This is... It's great. It is... It's wonderful. Um, and when I finish reading this, it will become obvious that God hates the saxophone. Okay. Adolphe Sax faced many brushes with death. As a child, he once fell from a height of three floors, hit his head on a stone, and was believed dead. He okay. basically got Eric Clapton. He got Eric Clapton. He fell three stories. Okay. Hit his head on a rock and was believed dead. What are you, Barbara's brother in the beginning of Night of the Living Dead? <laughs> At the age of three, he drank a bowl full of acidic water, mistaking it for milk. Okay. How do you do this? Well, okay, okay. To his defense... He has already suffered a major head trauma. He did. <laughs> I, what if what if he invented the saxophone, but he thought it was a phone? Yeah. Hey, I invented the first ever phone. Look, I'll call you. That means come and see me later, baby. <laughs> it's like, oh, Adolphe. 
That's not a phone. But good job trying. Pat, 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 pat. <laughs> so he drank a bowl full of acidic water, mistaking it for milk. And later, he swallowed a pin. A pin? A pin. P-I-N. A pin. A pin. Like a, like a thumbtack. He just swallowed a thumbtack. Okay. He received serious burns from a gunpowder explosion. Well, again, the, the massive head trauma. I'm picturing, like, people being around him all the time, constantly trying to stop him from doing these things. And these, these are just the few that just got away, you know? The only thing, in my mind, I just came up with this. In my mind, all of these injuries came to him because he was trying to catch and eat a roadrunner. <laughs> and it's like, hey, I'm going to jump off of this building. Thankfully, I've got my Acme parachute. Oh, crap! Um, he once fell onto a hot cast iron frying pan, burning his side. Oh, the only way that this story makes sense, I'm not even close to being done. I'm like halfway done. The only way this makes sense is if Adolphe Sachs has a brother named Gallant. <laughs> and he's Goofus Adolphe Sachs. And there's a Gallant Adolphe Sachs out there. He has, a, he has an other. He has a dark twin like in Jordan Peele's Us. Several times he avoided accidental poisoning and asphyxiation from sleeping in a room where varnished furniture was drying. What the heck? He's just getting high sleeping in a in a room full of like paint and fumes. <laughs> Adolphe, wake up! It's time to, time to go to church. Wait, we can't stop here. This is bat country. <laughs> Another time, young Sax was struck on the head by a cobblestone and fell into a river, almost dying. What okay. is he, Mr. Bean? <laughs> what the heck? I can totally see the Rowan Atkinson Adolphe Sax movie. Holy crap, I can see that entire film. Rowan Atkinson is Adolphe Sachs. <laughs> His mother once said that, quote, he is a child condemned to misfortune. He won't live. His neighbors called him Little Sachs the Ghost Boy. Okay. You can only read this as an act of God. God didn't want the saxophone invented, and he did his best <laughs> to stop Adolphe Sax from inventing the saxophone. I'm starting to think that when all those Puritan uh, Christians in like the 1930s and 40s. Oh, that jazz music is immoral. It's the devil's music. Maybe they were right. 
<laughs> Maybe it is the devil's music. If anything, I'm thinking that the devil's just like, oh, I'm going to make sure he survives and creates jazz. <laughs> That's how I read this. The saxophone flies against the face of God. That's why I'm starting a group. It's called Mothers Against Saxophones. Our, our acronym is MAX because I'm making the X capitalized and not the M. Then okay. Bam. No, Max. We are Max. Max against sex. <laughs> Mothers against saxophones. Max against sex. It, this is this is my. Uh, we need to attack the whack. Yes. The whack attack. Where is Bucky, and what has he had? <laughs> oh, such a great line. So that is it for Shap this week. Uh, great Shap about music and uh, stay away from saxophones. Stay away from saxophones. That's all I'm saying. And, and the saxophones. New Mutants. And the New Mutants. Stay away from the New Mutants and saxophones. Uh, join us next week. Oh, I've got a great one next week. We're going to be talking about diaries and writing and a guy named Robert. It's going to be great. That's next time. So join us next time for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's Historic Approximation! Dun, dun, dun! And cut on that. Well, Bunny, are we running the clock now? We are running the clock. We haven't even had the message come up. Running out the meter. I that's good. I have had a crazy weekend. Yeah. I had a race yesterday. Also, uh this last week, this past week, I went to a field trip with my one year old as a woman. Yeah. High five, Eleanor. Yeah. Yeah, one year. Oh, I meant first grader. With my first grader. Uh, and that was really fun. I was really nervous because I had never been to a field trip as a woman before. And I was all nervous and scared. It was a field trip to a pumpkin patch. And Eleanor, at first, wasn't sure if I should come to the field trip. But uh, she agreed that I should come and I should come as a woman. And so I did. And uh, at first, the teachers weren't really talking to me, and and uh, the boys were all staring daggers at me. Yeah. But all of the girls in Eleanor's class fell in love with me. Yeah. Oh, they thought I was so funny, and I was telling jokes. One of them asked for a hug. Layla. Layla? Yeah. yeah. Layla. It was so much fun, and I was live-tweeting it. I was all nervous, but there was no reason to be. It was so much fun. Uh. And then yesterday, oh, you are putting pressure on my legs. I am trying not to scream. Thank you, Eleanor. Woo! I did a race yesterday, Bunny. Yes. I did a race. It was a 5K, so it's, uh, I believe, 3.15 miles. And uh, it was my first race ever, kind of. There was a race when I was a kid, but... Have I talked about my knee before on the podcast? I think maybe. Oh yeah, you you a, a long time ago, but I, I'm long familiar with that story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, Doesn't stop you from telling it again. 
So, uh, I identify as a trans woman now, and a lot of my life makes so much more sense. But back in the day, uh, as like an eight-year-old boy, I have an older brother, and in uh, Mexico, the older brother is just the head of the family, and, and the older male, you know, takes the father's name and is is it, he's in charge of making sure that the family continues on and marries and, and and give that name to someone else and has a son themselves and that's why you see like Ernesto Ruiz the third and stuff like that because it's a proud tradition of Latin sexism. Yeah, and so I I was like the accidental second child, and so oh I've already got my son, so here. Uh, wife, you take care of the runt. So I was taking, I was, I was raised primarily by my mother, and uh, I wasn't, I wasn't athletically inclined. I was horrible at sports, and my dad was always ashamed of me and wanted to uh, toughen me up. So one day he signed me up. Okay, so one day he signed me up for a race, and he's like, "We're gonna run it together, Stevie. You, me, and Joe." We're going to run it together. And I'm like, oh, cool. My dad wants to do something with me. This is so exciting. And I'm going to make him proud. And shortly into the race, I tripped on a rock. And I fell uh, hard onto the hot Arizona concrete. And there was a cut on my knee that just, my knee just opened up. And there was blood pouring down my leg. And I'm there covering it. And I'm crying. And I'm screaming. And my dad is just running in place next to me. He's like, come on, Stevie, stop being a crybaby. Get up. And I'm like, I'm bleeding. I can't. Stevie, come on, get up. Get up and keep going on the race. And I'm like, I can't. I'm bleeding. I can't go. And I guess I was covering in a way where my dad didn't see how much blood and said, Stevie, get up or I'm leaving you. And I'm like, but I can't. I can't stand up. I'm hurt. So my dad just kept running. And my brother kept running. And I was just there bleeding in the middle of the street. Uh, and I was like, someone's going to help me eventually. And no one did. So I stood up and limped my way to the finish line. I finished with one leg and the other leg covered in blood. And I finished. And to this day, I think my parents don't believe they don't believe that I finished. Yeah. Because my parents were all about keeping up appearances and, and making it seem as if we had money and were successful and were happy. So I remember my parents being angry at me because I made them look like bad parents. Like I made my dad leave me bleeding in the middle of the street. So it was really so it was really important for me to do this race. And I did it. And I came up with this chart of like, okay, if I finish at this time, because my dad ran the New York City Marathon once and we went to New York and I was I was a really young kid. And we went to New York and I went up to the Empire State Building and I went to the Museum of Art and I did all the touristy things. I uh, Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty and all that. And uh, it was finally race day and we waited in the cold for my dad to show up and we waited for an hour, two hours, four hours, six hours. We're starving. We want lunch. It's way past lunch. We're still waiting. It's freezing. So finally, uh, my brother says, I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm going back to the hotel. 
goes back to the hotel, and my dad's there passed out. Okay. Apparently, he gave up and found a taxi and went home and passed out and just left us freezing in the cold. So there was a part of me who was like, kids, I'm going to do this race. Here are the exact times when you should be waiting for me at the finish line. If I finish between 39 and uh, the paper's here somewhere, if I finish between 39 and 49 minutes, there's no way that's happening. There's no chance in hell. If I, if I finish at this time, it's possible, but not probable. If I finish at this time, this is my goal. If I finish at this time, it's the standard because I've been training at the local YMCA. So this is probably when I'm going to end. And if I do it at this time, I'm just walking. Anything past that, I am in a ditch somewhere. You need to call for help. <laughs> and I, when I trained at the Y, I was really careful not to overdo it. And so I would walk a lap and then I'd run a lap. And then I'd jog a lap and then I'd walk a lap and then I'd jog a lap. And the quickest I did it was like 62 minutes. And I'm like, okay, so maybe if, I'm, if I work really hard, maybe I can get it to just under an hour. But I ended up finishing in 41 minutes. I was in 11th place for women and 28th place overall. And I am blown away by that. I did it, and it meant so much to me because I was doing it for, for like the eight-year-old boy that I was. It, it was a healing thing. And it meant a lot to me. And I'm really proud of myself. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, you did good. I did. I did all right. You the did next very major, good. The next you did more thing, than all right. I, I got 11th place. Yeah. Of course, my older brother had to post that he did a race. He did a 5K once, and he did it in 39 minutes. Because my brother is still locked in this uh, sibling rivalry that I have long since not cared about. Yeah. But my brother Jeannie had was mentioning to go that on... just before the show. I, I hadn't seen that post. Well, I posted a bunch, and in one of them... I saw, no, I saw that. yours. Yeah. But he posted in one about how I did. Uh, I decided to sign up for the Pat Tillman Marathon, which is 4.5 miles. And I decided to train for it with a short 5K, sort of a little warm-up. And at the time, I was 240 pounds, and I was smoking all the time and drinking all the time and eating all the time. And I had no cartilage in my knees, and I just had surgery. But I did it in 39 minutes. So you don't have to worry, Stevie. You don't have to, you don't have to worry. Let go of the childhood trauma for a second and just enjoy yourself. You'll be fine. And I actually told off my brother, and I'm really happy about that because most of the yeah, time, yeah. What did you say? Uh, most of the time, you know, I just okay. My brother has to always point out that he's better than me. Fine, whatever. But this time, I I I let him know. It's like, well, I have bad knees. And I have chronic severe asthma, and uh, I am 45 years old, and I am on estrogen and pills that block my testosterone, and I did it in 41 minutes, and it feels like you are purposefully, subconsciously shitting on me and my accomplishment, but thank you for the, thank you for supporting me. 
And I'm really proud of myself. Not only Good. did I do the race, I told off my brother, which Good. never happened. So I'm doing pretty good. The next major thing that I have is I'm doing an audition next month. Yes. For a play. And I'm very excited about that. And after the podcast, I'm going back to church. Today is the Feast of St. Francis. So at 5 p.m., we're bringing our dog Bernard to church to get blessed. <laughs> okay. There's going to be a bunch of animals there, and they're going to bless the animals, and there's going to be singing. I'm super excited. It's going to be fun. Do you have your dog's consent for this? See, it, I kind of want to bring Eris the cat, but Eris is a sinner. Eris will immediately burst into flames when we bring that cat yeah. into the Plus, Eris will just think that we're giving him shots, giving her shots, you know? Yeah, it's, it's hard I'm, to bless a cat. Yeah, but I am super excited to uh, do the Feast of the, is the Blessing of the Animals, is what it's called, and I'm super excited. Okay. Yeah, we're going to bless them, and then we're just going to cook them. <laughs> yeah. Nice barbecue. And feast on them. Yeah. Yeah. Is this the feast of Saint Francis? So we're gonna eat some saints. We're gonna eat some dogs. Yeah, it'll be a good time. Yeah, Saint Bernards. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a good time. Good time. Well, uh, that's it for running out the clock. It is halftime of the podcast. We are going to be taking a break uh, and enjoy uh, the break time hijinks, songs, videos, a whole bunch of fun. I love that. Uh, I I I love Bob's Dirty Shorts. The whole family <laughs> does. It's <laughs> so great. And when we come back, unfortunately, we need to talk about the 1970 film Crimes of the Future because Bunny hates me. But to be fair, <laughs> I've done so much uh, cinematically. So we're going to be talking about David Cronenberg. We're going to be talking about uh, Wikipedia. We're going to be talking about uh the problems that I have with art films. We're gonna talk about the song "Barbie Girl." Yeah, which really fits with David Cronenberg. Yes, you know? it does. Cronenberg, Barbie Girl, it fits. So we will be right back with more of the Pope on Film. After this. Do 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 thank you, cousin Jaden. Do 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 skitty bop do wow drop the mic.
again. It's Spidey. It's Spidey. I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. It's Spidey. Bye. 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 My name's Spidey. I'm a spider. Yes. And, um, uh, wait, wait a minute. What, where are you going? Don't be afraid. Yeah, look at my eyes. See? They're pretty, right? The blue. Yeah. Blue eyes. Look at them. Yeah, uh-huh, I used to have more than that because spiders got lots more eyes. And, um, I, I poked them out. I, I poked them out. Yeah, I popped them out so that I could be more humanized. Yeah, so, so you could relate to me better. So, yeah, so you wouldn't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I am a spider. Yes, I'm a nice spider. Just kidding. <laughs> Not that nice. Ooh. Yeah. Not that nice. Oh, hey. Oh, it's spider bite, spider bite. Yeah, you're probably going to lose your reaction. I'm going to lose your Oh, oh no. Woohoo. Oh, happiness. Yeah. Woo. Oh. You know what I like to do? Oh. Oh. I like to hide. Hide where you can't see me. And then, when you don't expect it, that bites you. Oh, 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 oh man, it's going to suck. I'll show you the tool that's most important for our survival. A fair warning. It's my penis. You are about to witness a new dimension in entertainment. Peter Lemongello. Oh, I could have been a million things. Peter Lemongello. A mood rock experience called Love 76. Yes, Peter Lemongello has created a new kind of music that's both romantic and moving. Just listen. In this 
two-album package, Love 76, you'll experience all the warmth and tenderness living in the heart of Peter Lemangelo, plus the excitement that is Peter Lemangelo on stage. Say the secret void and you get to come back next week. I am Adrian Tripod, the director of this place, the House of Skin. In a sense, my present incarnation was generated by the mad dermatologist Antoine Rouge. The House of Skin began its existence as a residential clinic for wealthy patients who were treated for severely pathological skin conditions induced by contemporary cosmetics. And we're back with more of the Pope on film. Funny. Yes. What's your favorite type of jello? Uh I, I I'm I'm a raspberry kind of guy. Okay. Do you know what my favorite type of jello is? What? Peter. Lemon. Peter Lemon Jello. Yes. Hi, oh. 
that's a joke that I just wrote. Here's another one. Um, do you know any sound technicians? No, I don't know any sound technicians. I know a bunch of sound technicians all over the world. I know one in England. I know one in London. And I know a Scottish one. And also, I know a Czech one, too. Czech one, two. Czech one, two. Oh. Testing, testing, sibilance, sibilance. This, this, this is because you've been going to church, right? Uh, it, it, actually, actually, that last one was from Game Grumps. So. <laughs> it's time, buddy. It's time. It's time. Yes, buddy, my friend. It is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Pil Film podcast to do the Bartman into the second half of this supposed film podcast. The microphone keeps falling, so don't shake me, Eleanor. Please. And it is said second half, wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our low-fat, high-fiber, gluten-free movie of the week! And this week is the start of spoopy season, which means we hand the reins of this show over to the one and only Bunny to celebrate Buntober. And what has he chosen for us this episode? The 1970 early Cronenberg film, Crimes of the Future! And I said it at the beginning of the of the show, but I'm going to say it again. Bunny, why do you hate me? And like I said at the beginning of the show, one word, COVID exploitation. That's fair. Covers That's it fair. covers it pretty well. Okay, so I'm really excited to A talk about this. A summer of bottoming says that it pretty well. Fun. <laughs> that was fun. Oh god, remember that Slenderman movie? It was so forgettable. I'm having a hard time remembering any of it. It was just all shot too dark. There's like Yeah. Nothing to remember. And and they did a they did a Dungeons and Dragons movie so badly. It felt like a Disney Channel original movie. Yes. Uh, okay, I'm so excited to talk about this week's movie because it was written and directed by David Cronenberg, who is known for a lot of things. And I have a bunch of facts about David Cronenberg that people might not know. Bunny, if you have any, shoot them out too, okay? So, okay. Uh, David Cronenberg, writer, producer, director, lover. He invented the game Pog. He invented that. Yes, he was he actually did. he was actually boogie boarding in Hawaii when one day he saw these like milk caps and he said, "I'm going to create a game about them, and then I'm going to worship people's feet." And so, boom, Pogs came along. He also co-created the show Welcome Back, Cotter. Not a lot of people know that. That's why in the later seasons, uh, Horshack grew three extra arms. Yes. And started drooling this like green pus. That's because it that, that was the Cronenberg effect. One of the common misconceptions about Cronenberg is that he's Canadian. And that's not exactly true. 
he was a Russian ballet dancer who mm-hmm. managed to defect to Canada. I saw that on back on in IMDb. the sixties. Yeah, I saw that on IMDb. Yeah, uh, David Cronenberg, first white man ever to season chicken. Yes, that's this a is fact. True. That was that's a one hundred percent fact. We we will not discuss the seasonings per se, but yeah, yeah, you don't it need to. It was that. technically seasoning. Uh, fun fact: David Cronenberg wrote this week's film. He also wrote the Aqua song "Barbie Girl." Yes, I'm a Barbie <laughs> girl in a Barbie world. I'm plastic. <clears throat> It's fantastic. That was David Cronenberg yes. who wrote it. He uh, he's the original artist behind Ziggy. Yes, this not a lot true. of people know that. He was the designer in charge of creating Hello Kitty. There, there was a Saturday morning cartoon of David Cronenberg. Uh, uh, David Cronenberg. Basically, it was scanners in space. Scanners in space scanners. Yeah. And there was a cute little alien animal. That would be such a good little short film. Uh, Grocery store scanners. And uh, it's just like a grocery bagger who can make people's minds explode. Oh. Grocery store scanners. Yeah. David Cronenberg published a number of poetry books under his alias, Maddie Stepanek. <laughs> Not a lot of people know that. Hey, uh, in 1973, David Cronenberg made history, becoming the first person ever to look at a peach and say, that's a big ass. Yeah. That's an ass. As, and, as... That's, and that's what led Sir Mix-a-Lot to write Baby Got Back. Yeah. So, as a hobby, as a hobby, and to relax, unwind, you know, get away from the whole film industry thing. He likes to study proctology. Yeah. As a hobby. Yes. As a hobby. As a hobby. I mean, he may have dabbled, but he doesn't want to talk about, you know, the whole practicing without a license thing. You know, but Bunny, are you there? Yes. Did you lock okay. up? Yes, I or, did. For or a did second. we just get quiet? <laughs> no, uh, it it locked up a little bit. We also might have gotten quiet. Uh, I'm fucking exhausted right now. Yeah. I I am so damn tired, but but that's a different story. Uh. You know that song? Uh, I've got a brand new pair of rollers. Yes. You gotta. He was Melanie. He was the singer Melanie. He's a falsetto. It kind of it kind of figures. Yeah. David Cronenberg uh, recorded that song, "Brand New Key," under his another alias, uh, Melanie. Uh, David Cronenberg. 
the movie the Oogie Loves and the Big Balloon Adventure were loosely based on his life. Yes. Crazy. Uh, fun fact, David Cronenberg lives alone with two cats that he named Mochi Mochi and Mr. Fluffy. Yes. He, he also used to be lovers with the inventor of the saxophone. Yes, Adolphe Sax. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he ghost wrote the Disney movie Planes. Hey. Give it up, Dusty Crop Hopper. You're never going to win the big race. <laughs> You're afraid of heights. What type of plane is afraid of heights? Give it up. Uh, he told Sean Parker, the, the creator of... Uh, of uh, Napster, to tell Mark Zuckerberg to drop the V. But they cut that out of the social network movie. Yes. Because they didn't want to bring David Cronenberg, another character in it. Fun fact, David Cronenberg played Luke Danes in the hit TV show Gilmore Girls. Yes. Originally, there was going to be a lot more body horror in Gilmore Girls. Yes. So, David Cronenberg, the inventor of both the Snuggie and the sham wow. David so, Cronenberg holds the distinction of being the only man Madonna won't sleep with. Exactly. Yes, I read that in Wikipedia. David Cronenberg was the original manager of Elvis Presley before Colonel Tom Hanks Parker. Yes. Came along in a desperate attempt to get another Oscar. David Cronenberg. A burning love had a totally different concept. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense because David Cronen David Cronenberg wrote, "We're caught in a trap," and it was like a torture trap. Yeah. No. David Cronenberg wrote the first two Shrek movies. Yes. Not a lot of people know that. And finally, the last and he and I he heard, was going to be Donkey, but the studio just wouldn't was. let him. The studio wanted like a more marketable face. Yeah. And finally, David Cronenberg—he he just would have been like, onions have layers. <laughs> you yeah. know what else has layers? Parfait. Parfait has layers. <laughs> this freaking movie. This freaking movie. And my final fact about David Cronenberg. Huge brony. Yes. Huge. <coughs> huge. Big Pinkie Pie fan. Huge Pinkie Pie fan. Oftentimes you can see David Cronenberg just out like a con dressed as Pinkie Pie. It's weird. Yeah. Funny, I have said this a million times on this podcast, but the best part about this film is that it's like 60-something minutes. That's the best yeah. part about this movie. Yeah. You can tell that this is a film from the 1960s because it starts after only like 20 seconds of opening credits. Yes. That's also a plus. Because so many times, a Blank Studios production of a Blank Studios film. Blank Studios presents a Blank Studios film. Yeah. 
title. So it's, it's just been a, a long, strange relationship. This is the third watch. Okay. Yeah. The first watch was like, wow, this is just hot garbage. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I wanted you to see it because I wanted you to see this horrible fucking movie. Yeah. And then I watched it again and I started picking up more of an appreciation of it because, like, you can't spend less money on a movie than this one. Like, what was the expense? Like, a few thousand for film stock ends and and a couple of packs of socks? I just realized that uh, the stream still says that this is episode 438, Virus Shark. Oh shit! This to be clear for everyone who's watching right now on Twitch, this is episode four hundred and thirty-nine, and we're doing the David Cronenberg film "Crimes of the Future," a film with so much foot fetish shit that I was expecting uh, Samuel L. Jackson to show up. Yeah, okay, but now the wallet that said "bad motherfucker" on it. But the foot fetish thing was like okay. You were already being pretty open with your homosexual themes. Yeah. Why did you suddenly decide to switch to a foot metaphor for the same fucking thing? I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> you know, I, like, like... Like, you blurt out something... And then start making euphemisms for it. Like, I'm gay, you know, lighten the loafers. Or, or you know, whatever else. Like, yeah. So, like, I, I don't get why the foot switch. But I appreciate it for its low budget. I appreciate this is clearly the dude's college college campus. And and if I may, if I may interject here, the foot switch is my favorite Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movie, right <laughs> next to New York Minute. Right next to New York Minute with Bob's Burgers and Coach McGurk in it. Brendan, <laughs> Brendan. <clears throat> The funny thing is, is that when it comes to Quentin Tarantino, there was Quentin Tarantino, the amazing movie director, and then there was Quentin Tarantino, the movie director who has a foot fetish, and now you'll never forget that. Yeah. So rewatch. I rewatched Pulp Fiction recently, and it's like, oh my god. Someone giving someone a foot massage was mentioned like 50 times in this goddamn movie. How did I not notice that? Yeah, but it made for such an Big interesting conversation. Yeah. Marcellus Wallace threw Tony Rocky Horror out of a 10-story window because he gave his wife a foot massage? That was a huge plot point yes. about giving Marcellus Wallace's wife a foot massage. How did I not see this before? 
Oh my god, the foot stuff is everywhere. <laughs> the opening credits to Death Proof is just a woman's feet. Yes. Oh, goodness. Okay. Uh, okay, back to the focus. Uh, Bonnie, uh, I was reading Waikapadaya. Would bless Waikapadaya, the savior of all podcasts. Uh, it had a review of this film, which I think hits the nail on the head. Okay? Yeah. Such a good review. I didn't write down who wrote the review, but it's on Waikapadaya. Uh, it said, Crimes of the Future is more fun to read about in synopsis than to watch, proving that it's possible to be boring and interesting at the same time. <laughs> that is it right there. That, that just nails it. And how many times are you watching and, and wondering if anything that they're doing on the screen at that moment has to do with the voiceover that's going on at the same time? Yeah. It was filmed as a silent film, and then it was dubbed over by just one person being the narrator, and then some of the most annoying sounds you can ever possibly hear. Yes. Uh, they did it Hal P. Warren style. I expected Torgo to show up. Yeah. <laughs> we cannot rape the child. The master would not approve. So that was fun. The but one thing least, I do, but at least for no budget, they tried something. I mean. It's not the same old low-budget crap you usually get. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, but it's like, also not THX 1138, whatever. No. No. No, he he definitely went to more artsy route and also tried to be just just edgier than thou. Yeah, but it's no 2035, a world enslaved by a virus. Yes. The one thing that I love about this movie, I love I I love it when movies do this. It's set in the distant future, the year 1997. And I love that. Yes. So much. And I got to say for a 1970s film, they really hit the it was pretty on the nose. Because in the beginning, you hear the narrator, and he says, It is 1997. The world is plagued by a deadly venereal disease. We all live in fear. Martina Hingis just won the Women's Wimbledon Tournament. <laughs> the world is stunned by Bret Hart being screwed in Montreal. Pokemon cartoons are giving kids seizures, and everyone is singing the Aqua Song Barbie Girl. Boom! Callback! <laughs> Eddie Murphy was caught with a trans prostitute. I, there's one specific U.S. pop culture website 
that I have been to so many freaking times that I should just for this podcast, I should just see if they want to sponsor us. Yeah. It's it's like US dot US dash pop culture dot com or something like that. Yeah. I have been there hundreds of times for this podcast. It helps me so much. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh buddy, why don't you hit us with the plot of this film? All right. And see, this time, watching it the third time, I was like, okay, I am really going to just stop and pay attention and try to work through the actual plot of this movie that I had not on the two previous watches. Yeah. And if you watch the movie, you'll understand why. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh... So our narrator, who I guess we're assuming is the guy in the picture here, if yes. you can't say, can't describe it, if look at the thumbnail if you're watching on SoundCloud. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that is Adrian Tripod, and he was an assistant. To uh, famed genius dermatologist Anton LaRouge. LaRouge. Now, skipping over a lot of weird explanation that may have explained things or may not have explained things, he had created a cosmetic that did not go particularly well and in fact wound up killing all of the women pop the the whole entire female population the mature female population uh was it just the mature because there were no females no it was the mature female it, it was it was like the mature female population which is why there's a little girl at the end yeah I'll look it up on the Wikipedia, the savior of all. Uh, catastrophic plague resulting from cosmetic products, which has killed the entire population of sexually mature women. So, yeah, that's that's what it says on Wikipedia. And it also seemed like they were trying to create Men who could bear children. Yeah. Seemed sure. like part of the plot as well. At okay. least that one man was lactating. Yeah. I remember that. Uh that's it. That's that's the plot. They they run around, they trade socks a lot, they really, really get into each other's feet. Uh yeah. Which was some sort of a religious thing, I believe. Uh, At the end, there's a gang of pedophiles, and the movie gets real freaking creepy. Yeah, it gets real creepy at the end when when we 
find that they had created a young girl, I had thought. According to Wikipedia, because I watched this with Wikipedia in my hand so I could try and understand everything, uh, they kidnapped a five-year-old girl who has been exposed to chemicals intended to force her into puberty in order to impregnate her. That's what Wikipedia says. Yeah, and that's that's where it gets... Luckily, that was the end, but the end was just really creepy and weird, and we we could have done without that end, you know? But yeah. I, I also think it was... Well, first off, it's not like that idea, maybe not exactly that same idea, but that idea has been kicked around in different sci-fi stories and things like that. You know, like I remember the movie Virus. Have you ever seen Virus? That's a public domain movie that's been running around. I don't I where, maybe. Where George Kennedy basically had to give Olivia Hussey the speech of like, well, you know, basically you're the only woman, so from here on out we're gonna be fucking you. Yeah. And you're just gonna be, be producing children. That's your life. You know? And yeah. that idea has been in other stories as well. Making this a child puts a particular notch of sickness on it. You know? Yeah. But there's uh, also the idea of you're saving the human race. I mean, there is no other option to save the human race, but this is still fiction, man. You, you could figure out something else. To be clear, next week, we'll be watching the new David Cronenberg film, Crimes of the Future. The only similarity is the title. It is a 100% completely different film. In Which no way raises the question whatsoever. why. I guess he just <clears throat> liked the title? Well, I don't know. I kind of suspect his last couple of movies. What the, what were his last couple of movies? Oh. They were not nearly as big as previous movies. There was Cosmopolitan with What's-His-Face. Uh, the most recent Batman. Yeah. Pattinson. Sparkly Vampire. And that was... Eh, that was not... I, I didn't finish it because it was just bore. You know, yeah, it had some interesting that. concepts, but it was just really boring. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking publicity stunt more than anything else. Yeah. I, uh, I have been in love with Rob Battenson ever since frickin' The Lighthouse. Really? Oh. Ever <laughs> since The Lighthouse, that man can do no wrong. So when the Batman movie came out, I, I was like, Good for you. Good for you, dude. Yeah. Good. Freaking good for you. Suddenly, you're in, like, number one movies and people care about you. You got away from the sparkly vampire. Good for you. Yes. Proud of him. As far as the cringe factor goes, Bunny, this is right up there with that one movie we watched, One Buntober, where Crispin Glover ad-libbed a bizarre art film with a bunch of special edu education kids. Yes. What was that called? What is it? That's what I'm asking you, buddy. 
Come on. <laughs> what is it, Abbott? Breaking <laughs> that movie. Yeah. The, yeah. As far as like the weirdness factor goes, those two movies. Boom. Yeah. Dude, at the drive-in this weekend, at the drive-in here in Oklahoma City, they're showing both its. Really? Part one and two back-to-back. That's damn good. That's a good double feature. Yeah. I love that. Baby, are you trying to get into this podcast? Is that what you're doing, Kat? Ah! Yeah, I just wasn't big on this version of it. Yeah. Yeah. I liked I liked it, but only because of only because of two things. Bill Hader and the kid from Stranger Things. Yeah. If it wasn't for those two people, I probably would have hated the new it. I, I don't think Oh they... and also and also uh like the Pennywise wasn't Tim Curry, but he did a damn good job. Ten minute warning. Yeah, he had an interesting look. That yeah. definitely says Pennywise, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think that the... Honestly, I think it was better suited as a TV movie. Because because what was scary in it wasn't really scary. It was scary to kids. Yeah. You know, which is good in a book. Yeah. You know, that you're being chased by the teenage werewolf works in a book. Yeah. You know? In a bit difficult to translate that onto the screen. And like in this movie, they didn't really try. They went for the harder edge horror. Yeah. Which just didn't, it just didn't have the same vibe for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like, it. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just not a thing that I was responding to. Fucking David Cronenberg. I, I'm watching Crimes of the Future, and yeah. I hear the dialogue. I wrote it down. I have been studying the stereoscopic card delivered by the man with the webbed toes. What do you want me to do with this information, David? Yeah. Oh, some of the dialogue was pretty amazingly just fucking weird. For, for, and saying nothing. Saying nothing. This is one of those artsy films. This is, and, and a lot of artsy films do this and it pisses me off. But this is one of those artsy fartsy films where the director makes everything purposefully vague so that all of the intellectuals can go, oh, this is what it means. Oh, let's go to Wikipedia. One possible reading of the film is that the audience is witnessing the mad minds of a dual personality schizophrenic pedophile. Adrian Tripod and Antoine Rouge is, are, are the same person interpreting the outside world as an imaginary futuristic reality where he is First, Adrian Tripod, the director of an institute known as the House of Skin, but is slowly getting closer and closer to a crime planned by him and a gang of pedophiles who he recruits during the scenes of the film and committed by him as Antoine Rouge later in the film. That's not what it says. Cronenberg's just being a freaking weirdo. 
yeah, well, you know, like, maybe, whatever. <laughs> so all of these, like, artsy-fartsy people who went to film yes. school are now interpreting what the film means, but the director meant nothing. Yeah, no, I mean, like... It's an art film, like, accidentally. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's an art film because... There is no money. Yeah. And there is no fucking money. Uh, yeah. So that's why. So it, it's it's like if you can't if you can't impress them with your brilliance, baffle them with your bullshit. You know? And that's what this yeah. is. It's like yeah. we have no money, so let's just get out there and just try to baffle them with our bullshit. Yeah. And get on. You know, for what is it, that's an art film. Yeah. Like it or yeah. not, but this was intended and planned. And this is exactly what that man meant to do. Whether you like it or not, that's a different thing. That's, that's the life of an art film. This is like, how can we make a film on this campus? In between classes. Yep. You know? This is the second film. Yeah. Ever. And you can tell. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so that's this movie. art film, yeah, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <clears throat> argue much if you want to call it an art film, but only accidentally. Yeah, not on purpose. Yeah. So that is the 1970 film Crimes of the Future. Next week, episode 440, we will be watching the new 2022 film, Crimes of the Future, starring actual actors that you can hear talk. Yes. Already, I like it better. Yeah. I... There are stories of next week's film being shown at the Cannes Film Festival and people walking out and like fainting and vomiting and shit like that. I think most of that is BS. From Crimes but, of the uh, Future? Yeah. Really? As far as I can tell, as far as I can tell from the reviews that I've seen on like YouTube and stuff like that, the movie is about a guy who has the ability to grow extra limbs, which he then cuts off for show. He becomes famous for cutting off extra limbs. It sounds very Cronenbergian. Yes. If anything, it Classic might be a Classic Cronenbergian. Yeah, it might be a self-parody of himself. Yeah. With the same title. But uh, that's next week. But now that I'm looking back at yeah, this week. Even oh. seeing stills from that film, it's like, oh, women. Totally not the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But now that I'm looking back at this film, the highs and the lows, Mothers Against Saxophones, Aqua's song Barbie Girl, the Robonic Stooges, I gotta say, I think that this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast. This has been a damn good episode of the podcast. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear you say that because I felt the same way, but I didn't want to step on your toes, so I'm glad that you made that distinction. I didn't. I, you can have some of my root beer. That's fine. But I, I concur with your dis, with your assessment, good sir. So until next week.
I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Maylin. And on behalf of Eleanor and Natasha and Gizmo and Jaden and everybody else here in this way too small house, I just want to say one thing. One thing. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a podcast like this. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And you dishwaffles and poopy tucks. And you shreks. You butt. And you butt. Shocking. Don't do any sins. Don't do any sins. Okay. Wow. You're getting very religious. Root beer. Root beer. It's bark. Hate that name. B A R Q. Apostrophe S. How how am I supposed to pronounce that? Barquois. What is it? French now? Barquois. Oh, what's wrong? He's good French. Barquois. Ooh, Pinky's up for the classy stuff. Do 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 Skitty Papa do wow cut and print and put it on a cookie. Yeah.